0: Thanks to our friends at The Hollywood Show for their help with this episode of Talking About Cars
1: with Randy Cardoon. See more at HollywoodShow.com. Lisa Dubinsky, who I got a, a date with because Fawn Liebowitz, I pretended, had been my fiance, right. who was killed in a kiln explosion the week before. <laughs> and that's a true story that Chris Miller, who was one of the writers, experienced when he was at Dartmouth. One of his, his uh, fraternity brothers did that took took you know went to the school that the girl had died in and said oh she's my fiance can can you get uh, some dates from my five friends <laughs> kiln <an>
0: explosion yes <laughs> <laughs>
1: sophomore dies in kiln explosion kiln explosion okay i <laughs> i love that okay so words with k are funny <laughs>
0: And welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities. I'm Randy Cardoon, and this time around, we talk about the cars and the movie Animal House. The movie filmed around the University of Oregon 40 years ago, featuring the late John Belushi as Bluto, the late John Vernon as Dean Warmer, Tim Matheson was the all-around preppy and good-looking guy, Otter... Eric Stratton he drove that 62 vet from the movie remember that and character actor Bruce McGill is Daniel Simpson day or as he was lovingly called D-Day that's the guy who took a blowtorch and turned a Lincoln Continental into the death mobile oh yeah yeah now now it's all coming to you I caught up with both Bruce and Tim at a recent Hollywood show near the L.A. airport. And as I talked with Bruce, who you may remember from many roles, most recently as a detective in Rizzoli and Isles, about his first ever experience at an autograph show, which happened to be right then and there. It's more
2: talking than I expected it to be. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not just going to put my head down and sign. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to visit with them, because I figure that's at least part of what they want. Uh-huh. And I've never done one before, so I've got, I'm have got i on a steep learning curve, oh. but it's it's uh, it's actually been interesting and pleasant, and I've seen people I haven't seen in years, so that's a plus.
0: Well, yeah, it must be kind of neat, and when was the last time you saw some of the
2: people from the movie? Oh, well, this is the 40th year of the release of Animal House, so I've been seeing them all year. This started, uh, and there were events all over the place, so I've been seeing them.
0: So. Back in the movie of Animal House, you guys were the frat in 62. You guys were running around. And in a sense, for our sense, the cars involved seemed to be really big. The one that sticks out was uh, that Lincoln that you guys turned into, or at least the characters turned into, that yeah. big tank thing. Tell the me the some of your- doors.
2: Yeah. I-, I don't know how you got past Otter's Corvette. Uh-huh. That was a cool car. That was a cooler car. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Tell me a little bit about when you guys got an idea of what you were going to do. And tell me what you remember about those cars.
2: Car-wise, it was all scripted very carefully. And uh, we were pretty much told. The only thing I don't think was in the script was Belushi measuring carefully, then smashing the windshield out with a sledgehammer. I don't think that was exactly scripted. But I was always there to light the torch and say, leave everything to me. And, you know, I think I threw in the diabolical laugh. And, you know, the car was sort of a character in the show, because it was Flounder's brother's car and he was eager to be accepted, and these guys were ruthless. I mean, really, there was nothing politically correct about Animal House. But in those days, it was different. You know, it was different. And yes, it's somewhat misogynist, and yes, you could say that it's racist, but it's still funny. <coughs> no, I think, I- I'm not so sure. But I think uh, eventually the general public, and they may be already there, are going to be tired of the rigidity. Of the so-called ethics and whatever kind of police you want to call them, and and just going to throw it off. I mean, there are certain things that it's, it's very good that they're out of our vernacular. There are other things that are a little racy that should be left alone. Mm-hmm. And I know in my business I work with the men and women, of course. And I'll, you know, I'll if I see an opportunity to to, to be flirtatious, I'll be flirtatious. And I've had women say. Oh, thank God! You know, because <laughs> it, it, when it's healthy, it's part of life and society, and it's been, it's been, fun and good and healthy for hundreds of thousands of years. You know, they, we, maybe they didn't use language; they maybe they went ooh ooh or something like that. But anyway, I think that a lot, especially now, <clears throat> a lot of what is healthy social banter is frightened out of the society and it just makes it a little colorless.
0: Do you find the roles are kind of like the pendulum they're swinging all the way this way and you anticipate somewhere down the line maybe not returning all the way to where it was but certainly coming Uh, the other direction?
2: Of course I think that's with, with everything especially where you're involving a society and you know now anybody who's paying attention realizes it is a global society you may not speak all languages but pictures go across all 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 boundaries and can be captioned in any language and you know people post whatever they want Wikipedia which is very useful but that's not curated really you can put anything on there you want and it's up to whoever if it sounds wrong to me because I use the internet uh, as a research tool now if I get a part and it's going to take place in a certain era or in a certain place or with certain real individuals from history Man, I've got it. Bang bang bang. I've mm-hmm. got so much information where and I'm old enough to where I used to have to go to the library and and maybe go to a different library. And uh, it's just so for Are you sense, on
0: social media now?
2: I am not. My wife curates a fan page mm-hmm. and I feel bad about it. I used to feel bad about it. I've gotten over it now because what if somebody sees it and I don't respond like if somebody that I knew in high school or whatever and she said they know, they know, but I don't know that that's true. Mm-hmm. But to anybody out there, I you know, I certainly mean no disrespect, mm-hmm. but I'm not, no, I'm not going to do it. I spend a lot of energy hiding out because I, I mean, I, I rent out my body and soul to these scripted characters and the more people know about me actually, the, the less, or the more difficult it is to be believable as a new character. Mm-hmm. As Shakespeare wrote in the mouth of Hamlet, what, would you pluck out the heart of my mystery? Would you play me like an instrument? No, that's for me and I, I you know, I'm in the business of depicting invented characters sometimes they're historic like in lincoln but often they're made up out of whole cloth mm-hmm. and the, the less people know about me bruce mcgill the better chance i have at being believable as that character
0: yeah so you're not going to end up on tmz anytime soon
2: Oh, not on purpose. Besides, I think I'm so boring, they have no interest in it. If I, could, if I went out and got in a big fight somewhere, maybe.
0: Okay. All right. got to go back to the Lincoln, though. So when Belushi punched out the window, it wasn't supposed to be punched out?
2: No, they were ready for it, but oh. I just don't. I don't remember that being scripted. But you have a big prop like that, and you're looking for funny business. I mean, the only thing that's funny about that, and this might have been... He was always going to be helping me make the deathmobile. That uh-huh. was always in there. Uh-huh. But measuring it so carefully with the tape measure—that's <laughs> misdirection in comedy. It's, you know, he's so careful and then he just smashes it. Mm-hmm. But that was so bluto. You know, mm-hmm. that was a, and it could be—I don't remember—but it could be something that John Belushi just came up with, and it could be something that John Landis said would be funny. You don't know when you're. In the... And I haven't. I saw a copy of the script today. Somebody had a signing a copy of the original script of Animal House, which is, that's incredible. And and it was given to him by Harold Ramis. He used to have uh, Harold Ramis, one of the writers of the film. Their office was in the same building in Santa Monica. And so he just came down and gave him a copy of Animal House, which he Mm -hmm. kept. And now he's got it signed by everybody.
0: So they brought out the deathmobile for the scene. First time you'd seen it, what was your reaction?
2: Killer. And I was (laughs) stoked that the guy driving it for the stunt stuff was Bud Eakins, who was a, ma- a major motorcycle guy. And I had motorcycles as a kid. And when I, I, I met Bud Eakins, that was a big deal to me. I think Bud did McQueen stunts for The Great Escape. I think he did. But he was like a, a major, for real motorcycle rider and became a stunt rider. But he was just, you know, top of the heap. So when I see him driving, and he's driving it to make it look all out of balance and stuff, and when we saw the actual Deathmobile that first day, it was just—it was my first reaction. I just laughed. Because I never expected that tall a turret. But it was supposed to, they said, well, it's supposed to look like they just took a water tank, a stock tank, and welded it on. <clears throat> and also, I said, okay, I made that in one night. The night before the parade, I made all that? Sure. <laughs> good thing this is a comedy.
0: Well, you were really good. I mean, your oh, yeah, character man. was master, awesome.
2: Master welder.
0: <laughs> so. Silly question: Was what they did and put put the, tur- the turret on and the whole thing was that the original Lincoln or was it? Did they come up with something different? Do you know?
2: I doubt it. I doubt it. I imagine that they they found something in less perfect shape because the original Lincoln had to run. Yeah, and it, it was, was a drivable nice. car. It was mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. So I doubt it. I don't know the the answer, but I think we did break the window out of the original, and then I don't remember. It's a long time ago. Yeah. And I was young. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, I, and you never drove it
2: uh oh yeah i did drive it a little bit around just i said i gotta get the, i was always doing this i gotta get the feel of the motorcycle i gotta get the feel of this uh uh-huh. but you know i uh I, I was a kid in texas and i remember how crazy i thought the suicide doors were even then so i said i gotta feel that i know this is a heavy car i just want to feel how it sprung and you know i was sort of expecting them to So go back to your trailer But they let me take it for a spin. Really? Yeah. So
0: you were, I mean, you couldn't see through the front windshield, Uh, though. uh,
2: There wasn't a front windshield. How did you see? Um, God, I I think there was a slit. Oh, was there? I think there was a slit, yeah, because he had to be able to see when he drove the stunt. But I drove it, you know, when when we were doing, like when I cut the cake, Uh that's just grips shaking the car. (laughs) uh, But I did, the funniest thing that happened was we shot everybody's interior coverage in the deathmobile. On one day, and we didn't get to me, the driver, until the next day. And that night, a, a very sharp cold front came through. So the next morning, we're trying to shoot my stuff, and you, my breath is frosting, and you're seeing, you know, condensation of breath. Nobody else had that. So what are we going to do? So first, they say, "Well, put ice in your mouth. And that'll make the temperature of your mouth less." That didn't work at all. Okay. Well, let's try this. <laughs> let's try that. And then. We had another piece of equipment there which they used to dry tracks which is a major blowtorch and they used it to dry up the street if you if it rained and we didn't want rain to match so they somebody comes up didn't say a word to me and I'm in that, the driver's seat and there's black duvetyne which is material all around me somebody comes up with this torch that they use to dry asphalt and goes right around me I mean there's bits of material burning but it worked it warmed up the air in the vicinity quick enough to get the shot of me going ramming speed or whatever cut the cake but that was nobody said anything to me about it they just okayed it shocking so you're
0: sitting there waiting and, and now somebody's okayed, like "Guys, torching you like torching you yeah
2: <laughs> got my attention
0: yeah i would imagine so i mean do you get stunt like credit for that
2: i got told nothing but shut up you <laughs> your line no, I was not the only person surprised by that. Uh-huh. Some of the people on the set in charge of safety were going, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Fast and loose. And if I remember right,
0: there were scenes of you actually in the turret or not?
2: In the turret. No, you were. At,
0: yeah, who was driving? It? You, were, you were driving, I was driving, him, driving. Him, right? So yeah. did they have shots of you in the turret?
2: Yes, they were all done still. At the, when I when I exited after everybody else was gone and if you remember my crawl was whereabouts unknown oh right so after all this other stuff was going on I waited very clever guy D-Day and then I hop out and steal a cop car and do a really nice reverse 180 I do a reverse 180 and it freezes whereabouts unknown and off I go
0: yep Yep. 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 Sixty-two Ford, if I remember right, something like that. It
2: seemed to me it was odd. I think it was a Chrysler. Was it? It seemed. You know, I don't know. You might be right. Way. You might be right. I'm, I just remember it should have been. It was a, Ford a long time ago. So I hear. It was. It was a. It was. I think it was a Chrysler product. Okay. I don't know why I think that, but I remember thinking,
0: like a Plymouth uh, or something like yeah, that, something
2: or like that. Dodge or something. You might be right. You might be right on I'll that. I'll have to go check it out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm curious. The other vehicles on there, that Corvette,
2: that was a nice car, nice piece, but it didn't it didn't work much. You know, it would like if they bring it to work, he would drive up like to the motel. So when you think about it, it didn't have to work that many days. It was not in the movie that much, and the, like the horse, the horse was you talk about an early conveyance. That horse was the most expensive element on the movie really? until the Sutherland came in. Yeah, because the horse had to have the trainer, the horse had to have its photo double, and the horse had to have his best friend. And then they had to have Teamsters by union rules. So that horse was an expensive the, item. The
0: horse had to have a photo double? So... horse they, was spoiled.
2: Oh. The horse was special. The horse was pampered by this leathery woman named Stevie, <laughs> and, and she... I believe there were three white horses. It could have been that the photo double and the best friend were the same horse, but I'm not so sure. But uh, that horse was pampered, wow. expensive. What was your first car? My first car was a 1963 Chevy two Nova, six cylinder, with a on-the-column three-speed pretty good car mm-hmm. and now you know it, it was a very comfortable it would be big by today's standards oh yeah like you know you rent a full-size car now from hertz or whatever and it's a camry <laughs>
0: yes and even camrys are getting bigger than the original yeah. cameras well, used Toyota to be does
2: that they they come with an, a model like the highlander i'm thinking it started little then it gets bigger bigger and then they come in below for a little so that was my first car i remember it very well Mm-hmm. And I liked it. It was a good car. Was there
0: ever a car you had that you don't have anymore that you'd like to get back?
2: Nope, nope. Because the car I'm driving now is eight, 19 years old. My daily driver is a 2000 Lexus LS 400 Platinum Series in impeccable shape, and uh, that's it's only got 180,000 on it. And uh, at one point, the paint started to it's silver. And they they admitted to having a little problem at that time with their silver paint, so I had a very high dollar paint job put on it, and it lives outside, in California, in the sun, and uh, it runs like a top.
0: Everybody everybody has a car, that a list of cars they'd always like. So what's number? Give us the first couple of cars on the Bruce Miguel top five cars I want someday. Or that
2: I wanted when I was younger. How about that? Okay, that'll work. Because now I'm kind of past materialism. Okay. And cars are cars, you know. Well, you've had it for 18 years. uh, I thought that the Oldsmobile 442 1964 was a very cool car convertible. And the same era GTO. Mm -hmm. Very cool car. The first year of the Stingray, I had to have one of those. And I like a 62 Corvette a lot. And I've never been a Ferrari guy, and especially now it's too hard to get in and out of them, and I never wanted a Rolls-Royce. So those cars, those are the ones.
0: Why 64? That's kind of an interesting year, because uh, usually you, know, you think of the ones that are 69. Well, it just
2: 70. had a, such a beautiful, I thought, balanced shape. The front end and the back end were very symmetrical, and it, they were huge. Those cars were huge by today's standards. And also, it's the first one that came to my high school. So uh, I'm surprised I remember that's the year. That was the year. That's a cool year. Have
0: you ever been involved in any other TV shows or movies that really relied on a lot of cars or certain cars stood out? Well,
2: Miami Vice, but I oh, didn't have Oh, right, right. I did Miami Vice, and uh, my guy was not one of the car guys, but they were around, of course. Uh-huh. And
0: uh, Well, that's a drag. Uh, I mean, you, at least you should have checked in and it said, well, you know, do I get
2: a car? Well, my guy was a nut. He's kind oh. of a nut. So they, uh, not so much that I noticed, but again... Generally, the character I play in TVs and movies is not a stunt-driving main action guy. You know, like I have I had a lot of cop cars. I've had a lot of unmarked detective cars. I've had the um, delivery truck in a movie, and I was a butcher. I had a meat delivery truck.
0: You went from a guy that stole a car, a cop car, to a guy that basically drove a lot of cop cars. When did that transition happen in I your career? I not
2: tell you. But by, you know pretty much I went from stealing the cop car to having somebody else driving the car me being the, the higher ranked passenger. Ah. Sometimes on Rizzoli and Isles the series I did drive. What I got to tell you, Angie Harmon is a really good driver. So whenever and she loves to drive and she loves to drive fast and crazy and I'm like very careful, very cautious. Were you
0: ever like a passenger in the car that she drove? Oh hell
2: yeah, I loved it.
0: Did she, like, do a lot of spin-outs, or do you...
2: Well, no, but if she had to back up a little, she wouldn't back up slow. She'd back up almost like I had in, in Animal House. She'd almost go <laughs> and slide it. You know? uh-huh. And and she would... The only time she'd get furious, if we were coming around a blind corner, if all the background and everybody in the crew knew to stay out of the way, because she was coming in hot. And she said, I don't know, it'd be a, be a pain in my ass if I hit somebody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Actor Bruce McGill from Animal House. Nothing like a deathmobile story or two to pique your interest, I'm thinking. Bruce, by the way, one busy actor. According to IMDb, he has no less than four movies in post-production now, and one just completed. Now, Tim Matheson, who played Eric Otter Stratton. With the 40th anniversary of Animal House, this autograph show was really a great chance for him to have a reunion of sorts.
1: That was my college life, was doing Animal House. So... And many of these people, like McGill was the best man at my wedding and one of my weddings. And, uh, and uh, Riegert and I have been good friends forever. And Jamie Widow's a big director here in Hollywood and uh-huh. a big pal of mine. So, so yes, I, you know, it, it's, it is kind of a reunion and, and people that I, I love dearly. And we experienced a lot, you know, special things together.
0: Carwise, your character in Animal House had that Corvette. Yeah. All right, so you're set up. You're the first I'd like to get your reaction to the first time you saw that
1: Corvette. I loved it. I mean, you know, it was the first car I ever really fell in love with as a kid. I mean, cuz I was just very young when it came out, and I used to just and it was I liked it better than the the T-bird, you know. It was mm-hmm. it was it was the coolest car possible. And I couldn't imagine what kind of car they were going to have me driving in that movie when they drove up in that car in that color. Oh my God! It was heaven, and then and then I got to drive it a couple of times. Right? I think I was two or three scenes. I was driving it. Other than when we drove the um, the Lincoln uh, and trashed that, but
0: uh, and <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. but but th- that Corvette is the coolest car ever. So is it true that it had issues and didn't
1: drive? They had to push it around a lot. Or? Oh yeah. I mean, because every time you, you buy a you get a car for a movie. That looks good, but and everybody always says, yeah, yeah, yeah oh, it's great, it's great, and then it can't, you can't get them running at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so
0: you had that car, and but the big star car, I guess, of the show was that Lincoln. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about now. You guys all—it was a regular Lincoln, right? I mean, it, it, you guys crammed into it for that one scene. Tell me a little bit about what you remember about it.
1: Well, I think there were two of them. You know, one for the exterior stuff. And when driving and one of them drove one of them didn't right you know and uh, the um, you know his right suicide doors and I mean it was just it was this great the great classic Lincoln um, and, and then I also got you had to be big enough so that I could almost get laid in the backseat right. of it right and um, so it, it, there are a lot of fond memories about that car. <laughs> now, who
0: was it again that uh, that happened with? I'm trying to remember. That
1: was uh, uh, Lisa Dubinsky, who I got a, a date with because Fawn Liebowitz, I pretended, had been my fiance, right. Who was killed in a kiln explosion the week before. <laughs> and that's a true story that Chris Miller, who was one of the writers, experienced when he was at Dartmouth. One of his, his uh, fraternity brothers did that. Took, took, you know, went to the school that the girl had died in and said, oh, she's my fiance. Can can you get uh, some dates from my five friends?
0: <laughs> kiln <an> explosion. Yes. <laughs>
1: Sophomore dies in kiln explosion. Kiln explosion. Okay. I, <laughs> I love that. Okay, so. <laughs>
0: Words with K are funny, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, absolutely. Uh, so flash forward, fast forward
1: to the death mobile. Yes.
0: First time you saw the death mobile
1: we saw okay we saw it um, in rehearsal they took us out to the shop that was tearing down probably the fourth or fifth uh, version of the uh, the continental that we were driving so there were two that we could drive then there was one that was converted into the deathmobile and that was genius we, And we saw a little tiny like model of what it was going to look like the cake and it, eat me cake and all that it was it was amazing I mean it was just every everything about it was pure Lampoon you know and I was a huge National Lampoon fan at that time mm-hmm. and they had not made a movie and it just the movie and what we were doing and saying and and what these things looked like when, it, when we were there in rehearsal it said, that embodies ex- everything that the Lampoon stands for which is just outrageous probably over the line poor taste, but knowingly going over the line, rather than just being in poor taste.
0: Now, did you ever get a chance to drive in it, or? Oh, yes. Yeah?
1: Oh, yeah, because what happened was, um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, he was uh, um, a great stuntman, Paul, I'll think of his last name, he was 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 driving, it. he was the guy that doubled Steve McQueen in The Great Escape, mm-hmm. uh, the motorcycle stuff, and he was driving it. And I wanted, I said, I gotta meet this guy, and uh, and I asked the stunt, head stunt coordinator, uh, Gary McClarty. I said, can can I ride in the car? And he says, yeah, if, if Paul doesn't mind, you can do it. So he didn't mind, the directors didn't mind, so I was in the car when he crashed it. And I was, you know, holding on for dear Seriously? life. Oh yeah, I mean, just because, because I knew all these stuntmen. Mis- I'd just been doing a bunch of westerns before this, so I knew all these stunt guys and everybody. And it was just like, and they in those days they let you do that. Nowadays they'd say insurance, no, you can't do that and whatever. But it was, yeah, I wanted to be there when they were doing this stuff, and it was, oh, it was great.
0: How many takes did it take when they crashed it? One. Mean, it one. has to be one. It was one. How many Cars? Did they have? Yeah,
1: it was when he ran it into the st- uh, to the uh, the grandstand? stands. Yeah. yeah the, the, the grandstand. grandstand.
0: Yeah and you were in it yeah literally in the yes car.
1: in the car and it was just him and me and uh oh my god it was just it was so much fun but that, I mean, those were the days and they let me crash the car when we went to the roadhouse i said i can do this i said we know how to do this um we know i had him back me up about 20 feet and just hit the hit the gas pedal all the way to the floor and smashed it in because you can't get going more than 12 14 miles an hour everybody had ferny pads in front of us you know, and. We had our seatbelts on and just smacked into it. it was that quick. was
0: the Lincoln before the death movie.
1: Yes, yeah. When we did, went to the Dexter Lake Roadhouse.
0: Right. Wow. Did you get any stunt credit for this?
1: Nah. They never give you anything. You know, it's like, eh, it's okay. Stunt money? Nothing? <laughs> nah, not a dollar. Oh, <laughs> man. Nobody, on Animal House, nobody got paid anything. It was all, it was all one of those super low-budget movies, but you wanted to be in it so so much because of the quality of it and how funny it was. So, and, and we all kind of had a hunch, maybe this, if this works, this will be a good kickoff to a movie career. So it worked. Yeah, it kind of worked. Yeah, kind of. Yeah,
0: just for you, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So any other movie you were in where a car kind of played prominently that you can think of?
1: I did a movie called Sometimes They Come Back, which is a Stephen King movie. And uh, it had a, um, I think it was a 57 Chevy that was chopped, and, and it was, it was, but it was like the devils coming back in this car. And, and, and then they had exhaust pipes that shot flames out of the back of it. So that was, that was a, quite a car. That was, you know, again, a Chevy. Your first car was what? I drove a 1962 Volkswagen Bug. Not, not a very sexy car. I, it didn't help me with the girls, I must say, when I was in high school. Um, the second car I got was a 2000 TC Rover. Made by Land, the Land Rover company, and it was their sedan. It was sort of the equivalent of a 320i BMW, say back in the 60s. And I um, loved that car. I just loved it. It was, was built as the safest car in the world because it had a, the motor was, it was if you did a head on, if you had a head on collision, it drove the motor underneath the passenger compartment oh, really? and absorbed a lot of shock and supposedly it was really good. And, but it was a great, great car
0: first car you bought with your real first really good movie
1: paycheck all right it was a rover it, oh it was, it was a rover. the rover okay. and it because that was a sports car and, and i and i just loved it uh then i bought a 260z a datsun 260z um and i was you know back in the hippie days i was i had a volkswagen bus and then i went to the datsun i think i went to the datsun 260z mm-hmm. which i loved
0: They're cool cars. Oh, my
1: God. It was a great car.
0: Any car that you don't
1: have anymore that you'd like to get back? I had a 58 Chevy Pickup, which was great. And um, I wanted to get a 57, but I couldn't uh, couldn't find one, so I got a 58. What's Uh, in
0: your garage now?
1: I have a a BMW i3 electric, which I love. It's... um, the small little electric, you get about 120 miles. It's a town car. It's not meant for the road. It's not a Tesla or anything. But I love the way an electric vehicle drives. You know, the acceleration is like so in- intense and insane. And I'm sure you've, you've driven the Tesla, driven the Tesla mm-hmm. and 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 then the second you take your foot off the gas, it decelerates. And which I think is the safe, the best safety feature I've ever seen. I don't know why other cars don't. Uh, most and it cars.
0: charges the car, if I'm not mistaken, yes, in that way. Yes.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's just it's it's smart on so many levels. I never have to go in a gas station again. And oh, actually, I do because I have a two-gallon tank that has a generator in, in a, a little Jenny motor. It's like a, it sounds like a, a, a lawnmower, <laughs> and it charges the battery instead of having a. a combustion engine that like a, when I had a Prius before you have the motor and the batteries now this doesn't even have the motor so you just got a little Jenny that charges the battery and that and, and it adds to I think 60 miles to my my distance mm-hmm. so I, I love it
0: you don't have like a classic second car in the garage no okay I let go my
1: you know my wife has a an Audi she's she's the hybrid Audi uh, station wagon I forget what it's called
0: okay Every guy or everybody who's a car person or even not a car person has this thing they, the list. It's the list that cars that you would like someday or what is on the Tim Matheson top 5 list or give or take a few I want one of those cars one day.
1: I think probably Tesla for sure I think. You know I wouldn't mind driving a Tesla. I hope they stay in business. Uh, two I've never had a Porsche. Always wanted a Porsche, but felt that when I was younger, I said, I'll get killed. You know, I'll just be going too fast, and I'll be, you know, it's not going to be a good thing. It won't right. end. Or I'll get too many tickets. So, um, and then my kids shamed me from driving. I was driving 540 BMW, 740 BMW. She says, Dad, you've got to, you know, walk the walk. You talk to talk about conservation. So I got into the Prius thing, you know. Um, but I, I must say, I think, yeah... Tesla is probably it for me and you know and maybe a truck I'd I'd like to get back into a truck someday Mm -hmm. new one or old one probably new one I you know what the thing is about driving old old vehicles they just it's hard you gotta crank the wheel you know I I had a 68 Chevy pickup and and I like that it was good but it's still old you know I mean it's getting parts is hard and all that
0: yeah yeah just a little bit what do you drive what do I drive I drive a, uh, well, I used to drive a Honda Insight when my daughter was in cheerleading and we used to bounce all over the state to have to run her to Vegas and run her to San Diego and run her to San Jose for tournaments. Before that, I had a Dodge Magnum, which had a 5.7 Hemi. Nice. And uh, the car after that uh, was what I'm driving now is a uh, Challenger. Oh, so you got you got a classic,
1: you got the classic. No,
0: the real no. Actually, it's a newer
1: one. A new Challenger. It's a
0: new challenger. It's the uh, it's the RT, the 5.7, but it's got the little shaker hood. <laughs> nice. I, I always said, you know something? Sometimes you got to roll the dice and get what you want, because <laughs> who knows how long we're going to be here
1: on this absolutely. earth? Damn straight, absolutely. So, if not now, when? Right. Exa-
0: that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So,
1: what's
0: the What's the roll of the dice? Gas guzzler feature car you would want under those circumstances. Oh. If your daughter wasn't paying attention to you and you did it without anybody knowing, where would you go? What kind of car would you get?
1: I think maybe an Aston Martin. Ooh. You know? I just, I, because James Bond drove it, and I, you know, I mean, and I, I hearken back to that era, and so I, I think something like that. I drove, a, I drove a, a Ferrari in a movie once, and I was out at um, the El Toro Air Base, and when it was shut down, and so we were driving on their, their uh, runways, and I, I could go at least a mile without having to stop, and I was going so fast in this car, I couldn't even get out of second gear. I mean, I could have, but then I would have had to really be a good driver, and I just thought, I'm not that good. I better just stay in second gear and let this thing decelerate. I, I've never, the only thing, yeah, I, I would go for a Ferrari. I think the only thing better than the acceleration of the Ferrari was, I had. And they had these incredible brakes, was how quickly it stopped. <laughs> That's it, big. <laughs> it was like just, shh, you know, in a very short amount of time and distance, it just stopped like, like, but it was like falling into a feather pillow. It was like, oh my God, I could see why people go nuts for these cars. It was just, it was that great. But it was only like three inches off the ground, you know, but you could, draw, you could flip a switch and it would raise up and it was one of those. But it was a classic, you know, I think it was a Dino, but it was like, oh my God, yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: The world according to Otter, Tim Matheson, who's been pretty busy as well, last on several series, including The Good Fight, Me, Myself, and I, which, by the way, I loved, but CBS sadly didn't agree, and The Affair. Remember to subscribe to Talking About Cars on Radio.com, iTunes, and CanX1070.com, so that way you can be notified when a new podcast is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're on iTunes, please give us five stars by rating us, even leave a comment about what you think of the podcast. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. And don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts, Twitter, Twitter, facebook and instagram until next time have a great holiday season and a happy new year i'm randy kardoon join me as we have some fun talking about cars thanks to our friends at the hollywood show for their help with this episode of talking about cars with randy kardoon see more at hollywoodshow.com